Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, I connect with a fellow pharmacy podcaster, Melissa Corrigan, and she is also serving on the Women in Pharmacy inaugural committee to help the APHA Foundation kick off more events and things to highlight women in pharmacy, and excited to serve on that committee with her. We're going to be hosting uh, an event during October for women for Pharmacist Month and specifically highlighting women in pharmacy. I know you'll enjoy this episode. But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that my book is now available on Amazon. Go check out how pharmacists lead answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. It's a great book dedicated to women in pharmacy leadership. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Melissa Muir Corgan, who is the founding executive director and CEO of the Pharmacy Technician Certification Board in Washington, D.C. from 94 to 2011. She is also an innovator in credentialing and pharmacy workforce initiatives. Her leadership launched the PTCB program that now has over 700,000 pharmacy technicians working across the U.S. in large chains um, and community pharmacies. Uh, she has em- embraced ambition and taken risks and was the only only female on the PTCB Board of Governors during her 17-year tenure as CEO. In 2012, she then joined uh, ACT in Iowa City as an executive leader for the Workforce Development Division and then progressed to serve as Vice President of Social Impact for ACT's Center for Equity and Learning. And her current chapter includes leading the healthcare and credentialing consultancy, Manville Heights, LLC. She's currently serving as the Board of Directors for the American Institute for the History of Pharmacy and is the host of the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast. She served as adjunct faculty with the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy since 2013 and has been named a fellow with ASHP and APHA and has received numerous awards. She's very passionate about both leadership and encouraging women leaders and has provided the vision for the inaugural Zeta Cooper Leadership Symposium, which hosts uh, events and feature or features women in pharmacy leadership roles and celebrates the legacy of Zeta Cooper. Uh, she, Melissa, has also been recognized as a woman of woman of influence and has served on the board of directors for Corridor Women Connect. She's a graduate of Drake University's College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences and is uh, a, a recipient for the uh, Henry K. Memorial Award from NABP in 2012 and has served as president of the board of directors for the Council on Credentialing and Pharmacy. Melissa, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks so much, Hillary. It's great to connect with you. Well, thank you for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a bit 
about your personal life? Sure. Um, I think from the intro, you were able to gather that I have a focus on making a difference and handling, you know, big topics, kind of societal issues. And so, you know, early on in my career, I had an interest related to um, pharmacy technicians. And that started when I graduated from pharmacy school, I worked at Walgreens and uh, the situation that we had at that time where we had to float from store to store. So in a year, Mm -hmm. I worked in 52 stores. And oh, so wow. it made a big difference, the pharmacy team that you were working with. A good technician mm-hmm. could make or break your day, you know, related to sure. how, how you handled inventory, your patient population, et cetera. So that's really where right. I got interested in pharmacy technicians. Um, I think another common thread in my career is taking risks. And so, you know, one of the things that I did early on um, that I would say was life changing is I did the American Pharmacists Association Executive Residency and Association Management. And it's a Mm -hmm. year-long training where you spend um, in D.C. And then at that time, I spent three months with a state association. And it really um, helped me to see the interest in organizations that could make a difference and serve the profession. And what's Mm -hmm. funny, and what I often tell students and residents is, I thought I'd be out there for a year. And then ended up, you know, I got bit by the policy advocacy DC bug yeah. and stayed out there, you know, 21 years. Um, mm-hmm. I, as you mentioned, uh, I was the founding um, executive director, CEO of the Pharmacy Technician Certification Board, and that was really just a perfect match for my interests in standards and assessments and tools that could make a difference in the way that pharmacists and pharmacy technicians serve patients. So I was really mm-hmm. proud to lead that organization through exponential growth. Um, as you mentioned, we've the organization has certified 700,000 during my tenure, about 450,000 certified technicians, so huge growth. Uh, we also then did many initiatives um, with major employers of pharmacy technicians. And I also was able to broaden beyond just pharmacy. So I really became an expert in assessment and credentialing. So I was president of the Institute for Credentialing Excellence and, you know, we, that group certifies physicians, nurses, mechanics, you, you know, you name it. If there's a program, there's an assessment. And so that was very interesting for me to be a leader in that group and why certification and standards and assessment matters. And then um, just about nine or 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to return to the Midwest. And you mentioned that I was recruited and came to uh, Iowa City with um, ACT, the assessment company, and really you know, for me, that was a great opportunity to move to a much larger organization. We had about 1,500 people, um, you know, a, a very large budget of about 350 million. And so to, to experience some of these things at a large scale was really interesting. I also then focused on our equity in learning and equity in education really parallels what equity in pharmacy and health equity and social determinants of health. So that was a very interesting experience for me. I was able to have greater engagement with the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy. So I have an adjunct faculty appointment, and I also have served on their executive leadership board. And then the last few years have been doing um, healthcare consultancy, you know, focused on pharmacy workforce and on standards and on leadership. And then like you, um, I also in the past year um, have a podcast, the Melissa Rx Scripps podcast that encourages leadership and shares stories. So I'm thrilled to be here with you today and talk a little bit more about some of the things I've worked on over the years. Yes, absolutely. And I can totally relate to the uh, being bitten by the the policy and advocacy bug. Uh, so I also was in D.C. Um, 
actually got to intern at, at HRSA with the Office of Pharmacy Affairs because, as you know, pharmacy is a small world. Yes. And an Ole Miss alum was the director. I didn't really know what it was back then. It sure has become a popular topic for pharmacy uh, these days. But um, that was after interning on the Hill for a Mississippi senator and decided, how do I go back for pharmacy and got to spend two summers at HRSA. And people thought I lived in D.C. because I kept going back and spent time in the summers. And I actually never lived there full time, but I can, uh, you did, which is is kind of, it is certainly a unique place and lots of, of interesting learnings um, for sure. And, and advocacy, of course, is an important topic. Um, you know, really just for, for, you know, advancing the profession and, um, and everything. So, uh, Melissa, wow, there's been so much that you've been able to do, um, over it. Let's kind of just kind of start with the, the pharmacy technicians. And, um, I love that you were like, I really got exposed to that because of working with so many different teams in so many different stores. And um, I think that one thing that that you mentioned also was um, that it varied from store to store. And so probably that also lent itself to your passion for standardization and assessment and those things. So um, yeah, what can you can you share a little bit more about that experience, how the the Technician Certification Board was created and and the purpose behind that. Sure. Well, you know, like you said, I, I really kind of lived it. And so I understood why pharmacy technicians were so important. And yes, even though they were all under the same um, umbrella and, you know, we use the same computer system and things like that, even just somehow sometimes the way a store would be set up or the patient population or how people did certain things, you know, mm-hmm. could make a difference. And so early on, you know, as a, as a um, new pharmacist, I really did need to rely on the technicians to kind of show you, you know, the way and where stuff was. And, and you were moving so, so frequently between the stores that you kind of had to have a quick learning curve. But mm-hmm. what I, what's interesting and what I try to share when I talk about the genesis or the foundation of the Pharmacy Technician Certification Board is that, you know, when we were formed, when the organization was formed in the mid-90s, there still was some angst about pharmacy technicians. And, you know, now, especially when we think about COVID-19 and the the important role technicians are playing in um, vaccine administration and just, you know, helping patients with the volume of what's happening because pharmacists are such an accessible provider, that seems strange. But there were some pharmacists back then who were threatened, you know, like, should we certify these Mm -hmm. technicians? Like, what what is that going to mean? But instead, what I think is really neat is that four pharmacy organizations came together. It was the American Pharmacists Association, the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, the Illinois um, Council of Health System Pharmacists, and the Michigan Pharmacists Association. And then a few years later, we added the National Associations of Boards of Pharmacy to the group. And what's so significant, and I've talked a lot about this, is it was a coalition. And you and I both know, you know, one plus one equals three. And when groups can come together, there's just such richness and ways that that happens. But back then, there weren't very many coalitions. And what was funny is sometimes, you know, groups would meet and then there'd be political, you know, challenges or the competitiveness, and then they would not ever meet again. And so, you know, I'm really proud of the work that PTCB did in being a coalition and a collaboration. And that's another theme in my career of bringing, bringing groups together, working on consensus and collaboration, because you have a richer group of volunteers to to you know, draw from, you have a richer um, 
group of uh, like just access to opportunities and things like that. So we started the certification program in 1995. It recently celebrated its 25th anniversary and then, you know, really worked one technician at a time. But what, what I will say, a big milestone is a few years in to um, certifying it, technicians, Walgreens decided to certify all of their pharmacy technicians. And, you know, for me, it was it was a really big moment, especially because I had been a Walgreens pharmacist and I talked about. So, you know, they have certified tens of thousands of um, technicians over the years, but that was a big deal. And then we also had many, many boards of pharmacy, you know, um, start to regulate and recognize pharmacy technicians. And the PTCB exam was written into the regulations in many, many states. And now I think over 40 states, 42 states, I think, regulate or or do something with technicians. And, you know, when you mentioned um, your background with um, Ole Miss and things like that, I spent a significant part of my time visiting boards of pharmacy and Mm -hmm. speaking in Louisiana, speaking in South Carolina, North Carolina, Washington State, Texas. And, you know, what I always like to say is each state is different. And so, you know, like what might fly in Texas, you know, might not work in Massachusetts. And um, so it's been that was a very interesting process in working with the state boards of pharmacy. But the policy and the protection of the public was really, really important, you know, for me. And um, when you start something, it was really interesting. It was very entrepreneurship to grow PTCB and to do something from the very beginning. And again, you know, I'm so proud of where the organization um, is today. And then it also allowed me to do things beyond pharmacy, to get involved in assessment and credentialing, which was a really interesting experience. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and and yes, kind of just going back, just to kind of sum it up for the listeners, uh, the certification, uh, I'm sure why you were going to all of those state boards of pharmacy was because um, a lot of states have, I don't know if every single state you probably would know that, have um, regs in that, that whether pharmacists, uh, technicians have to be uh, certified or not. And so probably telling, you know, boards of pharmacy about what that is and, and explaining that um, was really important. And then, of course, um, school, you know, pharmacy technician schools yep. and, and all of that. So probably just kind of circling the wagons and, um, you know, just trying to uh, explain what this new certification is and uh, getting everyone up to speed. And just uh, so everyone in with the ACT, that is referring to the, the college entrance or one of the college entrance exams. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So, yeah. you know, I kind of broadened my background and experience in moved beyond pharmacy and into the higher education sector. And, you know, there were a lot of things that were similar. I think the um, analytical skills, the science skills that you have, you know, as a background as a pharmacist really helped me Mm -hmm. in assessment and testing. But it was very interesting, I think, to learn and to be part of higher education. And, you know, that's a group that's been very disrupted, especially in the Mm -hmm. last several years. And so I also felt that I learned a lot. And I know there's several others who have broaden themselves beyond healthcare. And then you come back to healthcare and you have a richness and just, you know, um, lessons and experiences that you're able to share and utilize in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a great point. Uh, we sometimes get in our pharmacy bubble, but 
it's, you know, healthcare is a team sport and it's great to know what else is happening um, in the way of, you know, what's, what is, what is important to the nursing uh, group? What's important to physicians? You know, where is, is the healthcare industry going? And so kind of being on top of those trends and things. Uh, and so, yeah, you can always learn transferable skills from, you know, the business or marketing world or, uh, and apply those in, uh, where, where you are. So that's, that's a really great point. Uh, so Melissa, the other theme that, you know, you have a real passion around is on leadership and, uh, particularly women in leadership and uh, tell us what it was like to be the only female on the board for the PTCB. Well, you know, it's interesting as you asked that question because it was my experience. So it just was, you know, it was like, yep. it, it was what was happening. And it wasn't right. until I moved back here, uh, back to the Midwest, and then was meeting with students and doing some of my, um, you know, faculty work at University of Iowa and serving as a mentor that I realized how significant that was and how much students and residents and new practitioners wanted to learn from it and about it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a picture of me when we first formed PTCB in 1995 and then a picture when I left in 2017. And when you look at it, you're like, wow. So, you know, I think the idea of providing examples and stories for women to see, and I'm a first-generation college graduate. So again, I think talking about that and what that means and um, opportunities has been really important. And so, you know, I've done a couple things that I think have really helped with this. In my leadership role at ACT, Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned that, or you mentioned in the intro about my work with Zeta Cooper. And Zeta Mm -hmm. Cooper was the first female tenured pharmacy professor anywhere. She graduated from Iowa Pharmacy School in 1898. And she was one of two women. And so, you know, when I got to know her, like I moved here and I, you know, and I had known a little bit about her because she's recognized in the APHA building in their women in pharmacy conference room. But I always, you know, you kind of see the pictures on the wall and you think, who is this person? So as I got to know her, I thought, gosh, her grit and her resilience and just her innovation. She started Rokai. She started Kappa Epsilon. She was integral in the founding of the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy. And so you know, there was a lot that I saw parallels in my career of being innovative and, and entrepreneurship and doing and inclusive. She was also very inclusive. So I had this idea about starting this national conference to have speakers come in and talk about topics and help develop leaders. And Dean Don Latender, who I've known for many years, was like, sure, go for it. So I think that's a great example mm-hmm. of um, supporting leaders. The other thing that we did is if um, Iowa was working on a new college of pharmacy and a new building for the college of pharmacy. And so Uh, I gathered together a group of people so that we could raise money to have some dedicated space, a collaborative pod is what they call them in in, in Iowa, for students Mm -hmm. for learning in Zeta Cooper's name. And I'm so excited, Hillary, that we were able to raise over 250,000 that, you know, we just got people together and, you know, told two friends and added someone else. And so, you know, the the building's been open about a year and a half. And, um, you know, during these times, there's not as many people in the building as there, you know, there has been um, when it, when it first opened, but that's been a really neat thing. And then the third thing we did that I think is cool is we were able to create awards in Zeta Cooper's name that recognize um, a PharmD student and then also a student in the PhD program. And um, so I, you know, I think these examples, whether it be our awards program, the collaborative space or the, the, um, 
the, our conference, you know, help students to think about their journey, help them to grow their skill set, you know, to really have a growth mindset and to be more like Zeta. And then a year ago, um, I launched a podcast, the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast. And, you know, you podcast too. So it's a stretch to learn all the things related to mm-hmm. recording, editing, and, you know, getting people on. But that's been a really great experience for me of sharing these stories and um, having people talk about their leadership journey and, you know, what's made a difference in their lives. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I love developing leaders. I'm so appreciative of the people who invested in me over the years, my mentors. I love serving as a mentor and it's just been an extremely rewarding thing to do to focus on leadership. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of the things that you were were bringing up was the importance of giving back. Uh, So, you know, not only um, contributing to help with with fundraising for this this new building and uh, how you were able to get people excited and on board with that, but just in general, um, you know, kind of your philosophy of giving back of your time and and treasure. Well, I think that's a really important thing, and I try to talk about that with students. And you know, it can mean different things at different times of your life. You know, I think sometimes mm-hmm. when you're a pharmacy student, you're like. I don't have any energy or any money, you know, to be able to do it. Yeah. But, you know, especially mm-hmm. if you think about what our country and our world has gone through in the past year, like, how can I help? And what does that look like? And so it could be as simple as sending a text to someone, you know, like your your treasure is reaching out and connecting. But I also think for me, I've tried to kind of align at a greater purpose, how I can help, especially pharmacy students. So early on in my career, um, I uh, gave money to Drake so that pharmacy students could attend national conferences because I, I remember how important it was to be able to go to meetings and when you know you needed some extra funds. So I did that and then started giving money towards scholarships. And you know now I'm really proud to say that my husband and I have endowed a scholarship at Drake, the Miracorrigan Pharmacy Scholar. And I think we have 14 students so far who have gone through it and you know just really thrilled. It's a highlight to meet with those students each year. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you know you need to figure out where your passion is. And so it might be mentoring. I, you know, I would encourage everyone to mentor and, um, you know, it can be formal, it can be informal. And I think right now is a really, um, important time. We're recording this right after the match for, for residencies. And so, you know, over the last few days, there's been a lot of celebration and jubilation for students that match. And then there's also been students who didn't match, who are going to take a different path And so I think, you know, as us, um, as being leaders, reaching out and encouraging people and telling them, you know, whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen and you'll sort it out and what path you may have. I mean, I think you and I both know that sometimes the biggest lessons can come from when something doesn't work out and all of a sudden something else is right in front of you. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I'm so grateful or so happy to, you know, be able to do this. So you know, my message mm-hmm. on giving back is that it comes back to you in so many ways and it can be small or it can be larger, but to just be, you know, thoughtful about what aligns with your bigger picture. And, you know, for us, um, for me, it's really um, helping others, um, students, you know, providing people with opportunity and it's been really rewarding. And then, you know, it may be your time. And I mentioned serving on committees or I've served on a lot of volunteer boards. I do work with the American Heart Association. I chair their Circle of Red Group. I've done a lot of work with United Way here, a lot of pharmacy, volunteer leadership and board service and things like that. So, you know, I think it's a really important thing. And I'm grateful for all the people who came before me and did some of those things. Yeah, absolutely. 
And yeah, I love that, you know, I always think about seasons of life and, um, you know, you might be in a really busy season and might have to, to step back a little bit. Um, but then whenever you're, you're not, then, um, it's great to, you know, put it, give in a little bit more, give, give back more that, that you can. Um, exactly. And, uh, yes, some of those things that, that don't work out, um, are because other doors are opened and, and other opportunities. So another thing that, uh, you know, we've kind of heard, uh, from your, your story and that you're kind of working on a little bit is the importance of well-being and resilience. And I think that, that that has definitely been a theme over the past uh, several years. And I mean, gosh, just thinking back uh, with 2020 and uh, how much of a crazy year that has been, um, tell us a little bit more about what you've been working on uh, in in that space. Sure. Well, and I also, you know, full disclosure, want to share that, um, I at times have been out of whack on this for sure. And, you know, I think it's important to say that, um, you know, when I was leading PTCB and traveling so much that the idea sometimes of um, exercising and eating right and taking care of myself was not so great, you know, grabbing the fast food in the airport and stuff like that. So, you know, I do think it's a journey and for people to give themselves grace no matter where they are. But there's been some things that I've, you know, gotten into in the last several years that have really made a difference. And a big one has been mindfulness. And I feel really fortunate here at University of Iowa that we, I was able to take a, a program um, that I learned so much. And then they, off, they also offered it to students, to University of Iowa students, a mindfulness-based stress reduction program and learn to meditate. But, you know, like all things, Hillary, I want to share that when I first took the class, I was like, I'm going to be a super meditator. This is going to be so great. You know, I'm going to, and Mm -hmm. it's not like that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to sit and to rest. And um, I thought about Mm -hmm. too, that over the years, there were times when I would go to a spa and do something to relax or even in a yoga class. And at the end, they would ask us to be still or to be the tree. And I remember thinking, be the tree. I got my to-do list. Like, you know, what's next, you know, what's next or where am I going to? So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think the idea of slowing down and just being present, Mm -hmm. it really helps you to think about like the moment and, you know, we can't necessarily change the circumstances, but we can change how we react to it. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan now of the Headspace app and, uh, you know, there's several pharmacy groups, uh, ASHP provides that free for its members and, you know, many of the meditation apps have been offered free in the past year for healthcare workers, the 10% Happier, Headspace, you know, some other ones. So I would encourage people to check those out. That's been good. Um, I really have gotten into in the last couple of years, bar three. So I love those workouts. And I just in the last few weeks um, completed my 250th class. And um, I guess what's so significant, what I want to share with you is the first time I went, I thought I was going to die, Hillary. Like we did warm up and I'm like, can I leave during warm up? Like, this is so hard. And, mm-hmm. and this is before the studio opened. So we were like in a pop-up location and this was pre COVID times. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, but I stayed. And I think that's a good metaphor for life that if you can stay yeah. through the tough things, you know, you get stronger. And for the mm-hmm. last year plus I've been working out at home, doing it live stream. And you know, I know I could have made the choice, like, I'm not going to continue with bar three. I can't be in the studio. You know, I'm not with my friends. And they transitioned mm-hmm. to doing classes live stream. And I had been a founding member, a member since the studio opened in 20, um, 2019. And so I stayed. 
And, you know, I've continued with the classes and to try to make it work. And again, I think that's an important piece from well-being is how do you adapt? How do you be flexible? Mm-hmm. You know, and what does that mm-hmm. look like? And then I think the final thing with like, there's so many with um, well-being and resilience, but I think connections and staying connected to people and, you know, COVID-19 and these stay home times have really provided the opportunity. I think we're all sick of Zoom, but it's provided a way for us to FaceTime or Zoom Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, what that looks like or, you know, trying new things. Um, I went and did a hike. uh, I don't know. I wouldn't really even call it a hike, but went to a new park over the weekend with our puppy and he loved it. And it was just so beautiful to try different things and, you know, connecting people for walks. And the good news is the vaccine distribution is happening. And so, you know, hopefully some of these things are going to open up in the coming months. But, you know, my key Mm -hmm. takeaway is it's important to take care of yourself, especially for caregivers, for pharmacists and people in healthcare, that if you wanted Mm -hmm. to care for others, you have to be taking care of yourself first. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's a, and it goes back to leading by example, you know, um, being able to be a role model and, um, you know, exemplifying even for our patients or for our family members or, uh, but hopefully it's, and it just makes you feel good. Yes. Um, because yeah, it is hard and, um, it's, it's easier to just like watch another episode or order, you know, delivery, food for delivery, or, you know, like those are like, that's easier. But if you put it under your calendar, you know, like you build in that workout that like, you know, like every day or, you know, maybe four or five times a week, like you're just kind of starting, you're getting in that habit. You just, you start with 10 minutes and you kind of build your way up or whatever that is. Um, but I can so relate, uh, when you're sharing, Oh, I've got my to-do list. I can't be still. Um, I'm such a go, 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 go person. And yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think even like yoga is hard for me to do because I like to be moving. So I'm one of those that likes to do like a Barry's boot camp, running on the treadmill or not. But, um, yes, it was easier to, to not go into a a gym or, and so I've been using that Peloton app and, uh, we just got a treadmill at our house and it has been game changer, especially with having a baby. Um, you can, you don't have to leave. You can just go down and, um, do that during naps or after she goes down for the night. Um, so yeah, just, you know, you gotta be creative and, um, put in that emphasis, but it is so important to take care of ourselves and, um, you know, our well-being and, um, yes. And spiritually, like there's all the different facets, like physical is just one. Right. You've kind of also got to take care of your family and friends and, and spiritual and, um, oh gosh, there's like seven or eight different facets. And if I tried to rattle them all, like your financial health, yep. um, there's all these, these, different things that you could do to help and learn and, and pursue about those. Um, but anyway, um, well, this has been such a awesome conversation and something that I love to ask all of uh, my guests is what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? Yeah, that's such a great question, Hillary. Thank you for asking that. I think I would tell my younger self, um, to, to take risks. And, you know, that's something that I did that to go for it and you just don't know, um, how things are going to work out, but you're going to learn so much. And then I also think I would encourage my younger self to be grateful and express gratitude. And, you know, that's something that I've done, 
like kind of at every milestone in my career where I know that I stand on the shoulders of others or that people have believed in me. And so, you know, when PTCB, mm -hmm. when we celebrated our 10 year anniversary that morning, um, I went into the office and I reached out to some of my mentors or people who had been there in the very early days and said, thank you. And then it was funny because a few hours later, they had a, um, the board hosted a surprise like celebration for the PTCB team. And several of the people who I had called were there. And I, you know, I had no idea that it, that it was going to happen like that. But I think taking the time to be grateful and say thank you and then bring others along with you on the journey is so important. Mm -hmm. Yes. Always have to be looking to how do we, we serve and, and help others because it would get very lonely if you were up there all by yourself. So, um, all great advice, Melissa. It was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. It was great. And I look forward to us staying connected because I think this is the first of many conversations we're going to have. Take care. Thank you. For more about pharmacists in leadership, be sure to check out my new book now available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon. Go over to Amazon and search for How Pharmacists Lead, Answers from Women Who Are Leading, Succeeding, and Impacting Pharmacy. And I hope you check it out. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.